Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Anglers Happy Hour Podcast. This is a special holiday edition, couple days post-Christmas, couple days pre-New Year episode. Today we're going to kind of go back through some of our favorite guests and stories of the year. We'll have some good laughs, we'll talk about what's going on right now, and also talk about what's coming up next year. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's go around the table like we always do. Let's start with you, Rob. What's going on, man? Uh, not a whole lot. Just uh, working on the house. Um, had an interesting Christmas uh, as far as like we opened our gifts on Zoom. <laughs> the whole family. <laughs> Christmas Eve, we got no together kidding. on Zoom. Yep. Nice, yep. right so on. That was kind of interesting. And then uh, Christmas Day, uh, went to my parents' house and just hung out on the back patio. Um, you know, so... Uh, obviously my parents are, they're not terrible old, but they're older and we just want to keep them safe. So just keep a safe distance and that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, just a different type of Christmas, but a good Christmas altogether. So nice man. What'd you guys cook slash eat? Uh, so I did a five pound, actually a five and a half pound, uh, prime rib on the Traeger. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, pulled that off and, uh, while that was, I guess, resting, uh, threw some, another five pounds of, uh, crab legs on the trigger for like 15 Whoa. minutes. And yeah, so we ate well. So I'm, does that qualify as a smoked crab leg then? Is that kind of the setting you had it on? How do or they what taste were you, compared yeah. to boiled, dude? I think they're just, I mean, basically they're already cooked, right? When you get mm-hmm. them. So you're just heating them up and it was just the, that was the heat source we had at that time and it, it worked well. So Nice. It's the way a lumberjack would eat crab crab legs, right? Yeah, as long as a lumberjack has an electric outlet to plug his Traeger into. <laughs> a modern one. A hipster lumberjack. There you would, go. Would eat there crab legs on his Traeger. Yeah, yeah. I so, love it. So we ate, well, I'm like overloaded with sugar. I need to get off of that. So, but all is good. It was, I, we ate a lot and everything was good. Yeah, man, I think 2021 is going to be the year of the sugar. I think it's going to replace the low-carb diet, so you'll be fine. You're just ahead of the trend. I am way ahead of the trend right now. So You're not alone, dude. I think, you know, that's most people this time of year, man. I've had so many cookies, you know, in the last dude. week. It's, it's terrible. And, you know, every time I'm like, no, you know, I'm going to eat healthier today. I've been eating bad all week, and then I'll eat three in a row. That's my number, too. I can't just have one. Like, they're just what? so good. I eat three in a row. What do you, how do you, how do you act when you get the delivery from Alex every year of the tin of cookies? My goal is to get them gone that first day. I literally like, will eat the entire tin that day. It's so messed up. I would feel terrible if I ate all those in one oh, day, I do. dude, but that's impressive. Yeah. Sugar coma. <laughs> yeah. So all this is revealing is that what I already knew is that Alex really likes you guys. And I'm just like somewhere out left field. I don't even know about this magical holiday cookie tin. Furthermore, <laughs> I've been complaining. See, I, I guess I got coveted into had no cookies. I've had, I've had no cookies, man. I did get some tamales, you know, I've got the, the main line into the, that side of tradition, but uh, you know, my white Christmas cookie side has been severely lacking this year so alex is even deeper down on my negative list i see how it is he's <laughs> uh, he's, he's way down there he's way who up makes, there now who makes the tamales so the whole family yeah in a normal year you know when i'm seeing my in-laws we uh we have a little get together but my mother-in-law is a rock star so we had a bunch frozen on hand ready to roll so we just steamed them up and uh, so good huh 
Yeah, it uh, it'll work, but it's it's not. See, there's so many magical Christmas cookies, and when you don't get access to them, all you can do is fantasize. So the tamales were great, but I want the one that has like the peanut butter with the chocolate uh, kiss on top. Oh, of we it. had those. I, yeah. I bet you did. God. <laughs> I bet you did. Hey, but I'm they not were bitter. in the they were in the box. Oh yeah. yeah. How about <laughs> the fudge? Did you get some of the fudge? Yeah, I did, dude. Yeah, oh my we're goodness. moving on. Let's move this talk. I don't want to know. I'm just bitter now. Fine, Nick. What's going on, dude? Hey, we're jealous of you. You got food, and you didn't have to see your in-laws, bro. That's a that's a score <laughs> under that's most, a 2020 most men's uh, <laughs> most men's opinion. Yeah, what's uh, what's going on with you, bro? Oh, you know, just another day of living the Nick McMurray paradise, man. It's another day. It's his birthday, everybody. Say happy birthday to Nick. Happy birthday, Nick. Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll have a moment of silence for all those listeners out there chanting happy birthday, and, and to them I nod. Yeah, man, it's the big 3-3. Three, three. Just uh, gearing up for a beautiful day. I actually, you know, we'll talk about Christmas and all that, but uh, spoiler alert, Josh and I are going to go fishing almost together today, and that's going to be a fantastic gift, so I'm looking forward to that. Heck yeah, we're doing a little family fishing day out at the lake. The the fish were cooperating very well last week, so we're hoping to get our uh, Nick's taking his kids. I'm actually taking my wife, so that's uh, it's going to be a fun fun afternoon. Hopefully, out on the water. No matter what, it'll be fun. That'd be great. I'll just go poach all of Josh's water. Can't wait. I'm even bringing live bait to thoroughly poach his li- his good water. So it's that's gonna fine. Be good. And he's keeping everything <laughs> he catches. Even I never let him go. But uh, the Christmas went pretty good over at the uh, Casa. Um, my, kids, my kids made out like bandits. Um, they got some cool stuff. And, uh, you know, it's funny. My daughter's seven and she wanted a Polaroid camera. And I have to think about the irony of how cycles change and, like, everything now in this digital world is so instantaneous. It's funny now that, like, trendy popular gifts are, like, the original version of photography. But... Uh, she got her camera with only one box of film. And so you can imagine how fast 10 pictures disappear. And it's like, well, <laughs> we're even get. done unwrapping the presents, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's uh. hilarious. Yeah. It's like, well, now you'll learn that pictures weren't always just like infinite storage on the cloud. So dude, we used to take fish pictures on the oh, lake yeah. with those. <laughs> how so disappointing classic. was it when you get it too? And oh. you'd have these, we'd keep the camera in the boat. And so you, it would last for a couple months till you burned up all 24 pictures or whatever. And then you'd get it back and, and there'd be a finger over, over your <laughs> No, we would have the, the we would have the instant, the Polaroid. Oh, Isn't that the yeah, one that correct? Yeah. you oh, pull it out and wave it in the air? Oh, yeah. yeah. We had oh, yeah. instant gratification back then. <laughs> <laughs> they were terrible photos, but <laughs> that's cool. So Every funny. picture that I took. So I was more Josh's era. Polaroid, I think Polaroid went uncool for a while. And now it's like everyone with a man bun is shooting with Polaroid again because it's just like the end thing. But I remember the good old days of the disposable camera. And like my classic was I, I loved athletic sandals and tube socks. And so I'd like catch a tilapia out of the local reclaimed sewer pond by my house. And I'd like plunk that thing down in the grass and snap like three pictures of it. And you'd always see like my toes, like a Nike sandal and and some crispy two-thirds dead tilapia but i was so proud of those pictures it's hilarious it looked like it, no one would know if it was you or kevin durant dude fishing the <laughs> local pond man <laughs> <For real>? <laughs> <laughs> i always was looking at the shoes <laughs> oh but yeah man christmas was good i uh 
I don't have a Traeger and I don't have a beard, so my meal is not nearly as exciting as Rob's, but uh, ate well. And uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good, Dan. Awesome. I'm Josh, tell us about your Christmas. Thanks. Yeah, same here. And just just a good one with the with the family, man. We we kind of kept it really small. Also, just uh, went. Uh, you know, we see my parents quite a bit, so we went over there the night before, or I guess Christmas Eve. Did a little bit over there, and then uh, back at our house on uh, Christmas morning. So, yeah, it's, kids are perfect age, man. Two and four, where everything is pretty exciting. My son got a hundred new monster trucks, and my daughter got you know a bunch more. Uh, girly things that she likes man so it's pretty uh pretty fun to watch their their reactions to everything if my daughter's been obsessed with baby yoda just (laughs) you know she has no she's never watched any star wars anything none of us really have but she just sees these commercials for baby yoda on tv and thinks he's cute so she's got a baby yoda now and uh this thing is kind of creepy dude its eyes are (laughs) its eyeballs are literally like this big i'm like whoever's selling these is stuffing cameras inside of them or something who knows like i'm like looking in these eyeballs really like <laughs> really closely to make sure there's not some type of weird hidden lens in there or something but uh she, she loves baby yoda so for, for whatever reason and she'll probably be disappointed when she watched the mandalorian although i've heard that's pretty good i haven't watched any of it but you guys watch that's it, where it's from have either of you guys watched any star wars stuff in the past never never i've watched quite a few of the movies definitely the newer stuff and uh I'm not a science fiction guy typically, and that's not what I would think is you know my first choice. They're pretty good though. I think you if you had 31 hours to kill because all the movies are super long, you uh, you'd be rewarded. Do you have to start at the beginning? I never did, and you, they do a good enough job of kind of like you know holding your hand through the storyline if you're out. And a lot of them I think are new, like modern, like inspirations of the original, so you can kind of put it together. It's pretty gotcha. good. Hey, have you uh, gotten through Amazing Race yet? So you can start Letterkenny. <laughs> it was even on top of Hulu yesterday as like the suggested, like what you what should watch. Friend. But I'm still in like 2004. <laughs> Dude, there's Nick's like been watching reruns seasons. of Amazing Race for the last uh, <laughs> month. Oh, months, plural. <laughs> what is it? I don't even know what it is. It's a race and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's a show, man. We're 11. Is it something I need to watch? Probably not, but I will tell you, it's changed my life for the better. It has opened my eyes to the, how much of the world lives. Cause what I appreciate dude, is that like in the beginning, the new version of it's, I I can't get down on cause you know, technology has changed the way you travel. It's so much easier to like book tickets and like plan stuff. So the show has really taken a turn for the worse in the modern era. But if you start in the early two thousands, this is like the era of travel agents. And so these people are like trying to get into the middle of nowhere, India as fast as they can to do these crazy tasks. And yeah, it's a, it's, I don't know. It's entertaining to me, but no one else. I don't think so. Dude, it was super popular back in the day, man. I just never, never watched it, but like, we were also like nine when that was the new show. (laughs) We were watching Teletubbies. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say briefly that, uh, it's been a glorious week outside of Christmas. I uh, I learned something. I we were trying to brainstorm things we learned, and I'm the only thoughtful and insightful host on this podcast that was ready. But uh, I wanted to take my kids fishing, and I uh, the I, I wasn't able to carve enough time out to take the boat and do it properly. So in my mind, I was like, how am I going to get my kids? 
to catch a couple of fish and have some fun on just like some of the little urban lakes around town. And I figured that the surest bet was to go buy like five dozen minnows and put them on a little split shot rig and just go to town. And I went to a, an urban pond around here called Kiwanis. And I haven't been to Kiwanis Lake or whatever it's called, Kiwanis Pond in like at least 20, maybe 25 years. I was a little kid the last time I was there. But I had heard it's actually pretty cool. They have like rock piles all around the lake. And uh, my brother goes there with his wife and daughter when they come down and they just kind of do the exercise loop around it. And he said he's seen some bass. So I was like, dude, I bet if I just like split shot some minnows around those rock piles, like we have a pretty good chance at catching something. And they had just stocked it with like little stalker rainbow trout. And the dude next to me was like Kevin Van Damming. He's like nine inch. These guys don't mess around. Oh, dude, he did a bite. And dude, he like swallowed the hook to the point where it's in its small intestine. And this guy's just like bringing the lumber to him on the hook set. And then he's like pumping and reeling and pumping and reeling and like swinging. And he was having a great time. I mean, he was just like, he was ecstatic. And it was cool to see him have success. But I knew that power bait nuggets are the recipe for stalker trout. Like those little power bait nuggets are, but I didn't have any, I had minnows. And so I was like, I bet we'll catch nothing. And so we walked all the way around this, like, you know, it's gotta be at least 30,000 surface acres. It took a long time to, it's not, it's not that big, but we finally walked around to the backside of the lake and I'm carrying a minnow bucket, like two fishing rods, all the tackle. We brought our chihuahua. So suffice to say it was slow traveling. We finally get to the backside of this lake and it's looking really good. Like, all right, I think we actually are going to catch something. We throw our lines out and sure enough, we get a bite and my son catches and I, I genuinely it was fighting pretty hard and I was like I bet we're actually going to catch something that isn't just a freshly stocked little trout well sure enough it was it was like a nine inch trout and I got to give him credit that that little trout swallowed a minnow like that's pretty cool that they because those are like hatchery fish I think they eat pellets you know yeah how many minnows is that fish eating bait fish none probably huh first one yeah somewhere in his you know really diluted genetics he still remembers that he's a carnivore and like he needs to eat that so it's pretty cool but so i i, I got the hook out of him and i'm letting my son hold him i'm like okay man throw him back in the lake and my son walks to the edge of the lake like instantly on command and he's left-handed it looks like and he he just freaking <clears throat> patrick mahomes this thing like 20 <laughs> feet into the lake dude he just launches it that's like, all right, I don't know if that's proper trout etiquette, but, you know, it looked cool, and the fish didn't die on impact. I'm sure he just swam to the bottom and died. But so we've got <laughs> our lines back out after this long marathon hike. We're finally in the spot, and I'm like, I bet now we're going to – usually when you line it up with those lakes, like, you will catch it pretty good. Instantly, dude, you get the next lines out, and he looks at me. He's like, I got to go to the bathroom. And the bathroom is back on the other side oh. of the lake by the truck. <laughs> it's like, you're kidding, right? Nope. So we – so we packed up and we walked the one and done minutes. You guys left after done. that. We, we fished on the other side, but it just wasn't happening. And I wasn't walking back. So that was, AVD that. caught all the fish on the other side, dude. Dude, he was, he was putting in work, man. It was, it was like glorious, a fishing clinic of like hook sets and like flipping them onto the bank. It was next level. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Hey, at least it, dude, that's a, that's awesome. I saw, I, Nick sent me the video that one, and I think you posted it, dude. I'll, it was, I'll post it on the English Happy Hour. I might not have done it there. 
William can can handle it, dude. He's he's good with the rod and reel, man. He uh he did a good job fighting that thing. I loved his commentary when he was reeling it in. He goes, "Dad, it's boiling, it's boiling." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's jumping. It's cool. Yeah. Dude, if you wanna if you wanna pad your ego and really feel like you're you're doing something good and you're popular and people are noticing. Just start catching fish at an urban pond. That guy who is <laughs> laying the lumber to those fish, you know, all these, like, it's urban, very urban in Tempe. So there's, like, all walks of life, people just out there enjoying the 70-degree day. And, and I mean, every person that walked by would see this guy just, you know, trying to – it looked like he was trying to get that fifth fish to fill his limit at 225 before he had to run. And people would just stop and gawk at him, and they're like, what do you have? what is that thinking he has like the Loch Ness monster on and then like a pale chrome rainbow comes shooting out of the water at like 30 miles an hour. <laughs> but no Dude, one got, asked if you're going to eat that and they should. I got snowed by a guy like that. I don't know. Did I tell you guys this on the podcast last year, we were doing the same thing, like just walking in the park with the kids. And I got <laughs> snubbed by one of those, those dudes that was Warriors. catching trout. I was literally just trying to say a thing, just say something nice to him on the way by. I was like, oh, they're biting pretty good, huh? And he's like, nope. You know, and I, he had a bucket <laughs> full of fish, and I wanted to be like, dude, I'm fishing the Bassmaster Classic next week, bro. Like, <laughs> you're, not, lucky, I'll give you're not you getting anything past my eyes, man. <laughs> I just kept going like, yeah, you're, you're pretty cool, dude. Good dude, job, your, man. I love it, man. And so it's funny, this was you if you would have been fishing because we were working our way around and there was a guy who was throwing a little Texas rig worm on a bait caster in the area where we caught one. I was like, that guy knows what's up. Like he's, he's actually probably going to catch a bass, not a little Chrome rainbow, nothing against them. And the guy was super nice. And I looked at, him, I was like, Oh, nice man. Do you ever catch bass here? Like that's, and he was like, Oh, you know, and then he kind of discredited himself because he said, there's like nine and 10 pounders in here. And in my mind instantly, I was like, mm, like maybe three pounders, but anyways, He's like, but I just snagged this bobber and these two split shot weights off the bottom. Do you want to add them to your collection? And I was like, ooh, I just got dubbed a bait fisherman. All right. Feeling good. <laughs> yeah, hey, whatever. At least the guy yeah, it was, yeah, friendly. was willing yep. to share. That's cool. I dug it. Right on. Well, that's cool, man. I'm glad you guys got to do that. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we have more of that this afternoon. Yeah. What, we, what we've done for, for this episode is uh, we've actually cut out a bunch of our favorite stuff from podcasts from earlier this year you know it's the new year's episode we've been doing this for just over a year so we didn't as everyone knows we've experienced some some very up and down levels of audio quality over the year so like some of our very best stories have either been deleted or you can't hear them but so out of the limited selection that are actually audible or somewhat audible, uh, we've got a handful of favorites. Uh, do you guys have like just off the top of your head, do you have any favorite guests or stories or anything like that, that uh, really struck a chord with you, Rob? Do you, do you have any, man? Yeah. One of mine was just a, a recent episode with uh, Matt Pangrek and the story about how he was uh, fishing one of his first tournaments, I think. Was it on the Ohio River? It was on some river where it was terrible fishing, right? I remember he said it was the Ascension Bass Club, but yeah. I don't remember where they were fishing, dude. Yeah, and he 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 went fished with one of the members in the club, and like a couple bites would really get you somewhere. And and he was fishing behind this guy. The guy flipped in his salt craw and missed one, and Matt flipped in right behind him and caught it. And that happened twice that day. And and the beauty of that whole story was is. Matt had no idea that that was like not not 
right at the time, <laughs> but he realized it later on, like, man, that guy should have been so pissed. And the guy really handled it well. And um, I mean, Matt's, Matt's well on his way to be a tour angler. He's um, carved out a legitimate career in the, in fishing and think about it. If that guy would have went off on him, he may not be at that point. You know what I mean? He may have had a great to think about. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and, and also, I mean, every one of us can think back of some things that we did just complete rookie mistakes, you know, and just, so anyhow, I thought it was pretty cool. Oh yeah. That's, that's great. Just that guy's whole attitude. You're totally right. It, 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 could have made a big difference one way or the other for Matt. So we, we've got that one attached. I think Matt was definitely, he's in the running for guest of the year, which is no surprise. You know, the fact that he hosts his own show, he was so great on the, on our show, but yeah. uh, his whole interview was awesome. It was, it was recent. If you guys haven't, haven't heard it, just uh, go back. I think two weeks. It's when we had, uh, had Matt on. That's cool. How about you, Nick, man? What, uh, what was one of your favorite guests or stories? Yeah. You know, I've been, looking back and trying to just wrap my mind around the, the year we've had. And uh, I, I actually really enjoyed um, catching up with Roy Hawk, dude. I, uh, nice. I liked his perspective on, uh, you know, kind of bait customizing and dialing things in once you get within a, you know, when you get pretty close to what the fish are doing, making those, that final 10%, you know, that's a, a fishing parallel to sales they always say if you can refine that final 10 percent, that's what separates you and it's no different in fishing right like you can really get to that level so that was cool like i i enjoyed that and i don't know like we were laughing last week about the uh, lake pal pirates and all the things going on it's like havis is just <laughs> anyone who spends any time on there and has some funny stories like i'm always game for some party lake stories those just put a smile on my face <laughs> we had bailey and then hawk which are like those are the two two of the probably three <laughs> oh, like geez. most legendary havasu fishermen of all time and uh I, you know, I don't think either of them really, really told us their craziest Havasu stories that they've seen, but, uh, <laughs> it's cause it's a family podcast. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they knew the audience, which is, which is good. But, uh, yeah, that Roy was awesome, dude. It's he's, he is such a, a detailed fisherman. It's, it's incredible. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, definitely check that one out. And I'll have to add in some clips from that, but that's a good call, Nick. Yeah. What about you, Josh? You got, uh, I'm sure you got a couple of moments that stand out or guests that you enjoyed. Yeah, man. You know, and, and here's one of the, here's one of the sad things. I think, you know, I, maybe my favorite guest as far as fun stories from the year was Cody Meyer. Yeah. With his stories about JR. And I think one of you two was not on that podcast, which, which one or were you both? Did, no, I think did, we were both on that one. Okay. Right on. Uh, but yeah, I went, I went to listen back to it and try to plug some stuff into, uh, the old timeline on GarageBand and, uh, it's so quiet. It's so quiet. You know, we, that was like right when COVID had hit and we started doing this from home. And uh, anyways, like, I'm not even going to try to play them back, but prob probably my favorite, my favorite one was, uh, he's got three stories with his buddy, JR, the scorpion story, <laughs> the story when they're uh, in the hotel room and, and Lucas, wakes up to see jr just staring right through <laughs> right through him and i've got lucas retelling that story we'll, we'll we'll add that in later on this podcast and then the podcast when they're driving through the mountain range you know jr has these night terrors every night 
they're not every night, but but often he'll he'll wake up or or have a night tear in the middle of the night. And uh, Cody had been rooming with him for so long, he was kind of used to it, but it was pretty new for Lucas, so it was freaking uh, Justin out pretty bad. But he woke up. They were headed headed back from a tournament. Cody's driving. Jr's in the passenger seat. And Lucas is in the back, and they're driving through a mountain range. I think they're leaving the Columbia River. And JR has a night terror in the middle of the drive, in the middle of this mountain range. He wakes up and goes, Cody, 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 grabs the steering wheel and starts trying to yank it over the side of the cliff. And uh, Justin is like in the back seat with his eyes wide open like this. And uh, Cody is trying to wrestle back the steering wheel before he takes him off the side of the (laughs) cliff. He ends up having a karate chop him in the throat. He wakes up. (laughs) He wakes up and goes, Cody. You idiot. You never wake up someone in the middle of a nightmare. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Yeah, the throat chop. As I as you read time, I was saying, like, how do you the inflict the most pain? And I was thinking cattle prod, but who would have that in the back seat to use? So yeah, I think a throat chop is is fast thinking. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, if you got really good hearing, make sure you tune back into the Cody Meyer episode. But like I said, we've got Lucas telling uh, one of the other stories, so we'll save that one. But yeah, I think that was one of my favorites, and that's that's one of the the funnest the fun things about this podcast and, and being able to do this is we've we've had some really cool guests that have have been really informative, like Roy, like James Elam, and then some that have just some really fun stories, like Meyer, man. So. Uh, I don't know. It's been it's been pretty fun. We threw in a couple other ones. We've got a uh, a great story from Matt Shura. We've got a couple from John Murray. You know, a couple of his legendary sto- stories from you know uh, tournament fishing twenty years ago. So um, yeah, hopefully hopefully you guys enjoy what we've got coming up. And uh, any any last words, guys, before we uh, we roll into this as we as we roll into next year. And the silence falls. I see. Rob's All right. Smiling. Well, that's a no. Yeah. <laughs> this is where I'm going to just jump off and just go into a real heartwarming, tear jerking, you know, finalization of 2020. No, uh, I, I think uh, the future is bright, man. I think 2021 is going to be a new year and uh, we're going to do a lot of fun things on this podcast and we're going to grow it and that's going to be a wonderful journey I'm looking forward to taking with you guys and uh, all the people that we're meeting and getting to know through this. It's pretty, pretty awesome. And I think we're all ready to turn the page on the old 2020. 100% man. Yeah. It's, it's not been an easy year for many, but um, you know, we're all super lucky to have fishing as a, as an escape to, to, you know, get out and, and do and, and be out in the outdoors and, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully you've all been able to get some, some good fishing in this year and hopefully y'all get even more in next year. It's, it's been great. Just doing this podcast, I've really enjoyed hanging out with you guys once a week. It's it's given us a chance to kind of, uh, you know, reconnect a little bit extra. Uh, we've talked more to this year than we have the years past, and it's been really fun. And like like yeah. you said, Nick, it's been cool to meet a lot of our listeners and and stuff like that too, man. A lot of, a lot of the folks who've reached out, we started friendships with, and it's it's a really cool it's a cool thing to have. Yeah, man. So just thanks to everyone that uh, does tune in and check us out. And um, yeah, we look forward to entering the new year with you. All right, guys. Hope you get, hope you all enjoy uh, these last few silly stories. And we will talk to you next week at the beginning of 2021. We'll see you next year. <laughs> okay, let's kick off the stories with the legendary John Murray. Yeah, that'd so- be nice.
So, John, I know we kind of stepped forward in time, but if we could take another step back, I, for whatever reason, I'm always like fascinated when Rob tells stories about the era when when pros would share the boat and, you know, they'd have mm-hmm. their half of the day. Do you have any I mean, this is totally off the cuff. So if you if you blink, no worries. But do you have any funny experiences or stories where you guys had to like arm wrestle or like Indian leg wrestle <laughs> to figure out who gets the their boat and trolling motor? And if, if you're trying to arm wrestle how, or how, fight Murray, you're an idiot for yeah, the boat. Not going you well. Murray the boat. <laughs> how, how about two nightmare stories? OK, oh, please. Back please. Bassmaster, Bassmaster first came out west. I was under a lot of pressure to win a Bassmaster tournament because I won everything else. I never won a Bassmaster. And two, I led. I led Orville and I led Elephant Butte going into the last day. And both times, I drew a guy in the top three, boat on boat. Both times. (laughs) And the one time at Oroville, I had a two-pound lead, and the guy caught a limit behind me, and he was in third. He pulled me off my fish to go fish his, put me in the middle of the lake, and I ended up with only three fish. Uh, and Aaron no. Martin pulled onto my spot when I left. He goes, bro, why'd you leave? Aaron <laughs> caught like 22 off it. And I'm like, if I had drawn any, anybody of those two guys on both those, I'd have won both those Bassmaster events. And it, to this day, makes me sick to my stomach to think purely a random draw. And I don't blame the guys in third. He's trying to beat me. I mean, he's playing the game like it's being played. I should have just been able to draw a co-angler or someone that wasn't, lead, you know, in the top three. Yeah. Dude, that's a nightmare. You're right. What 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 was Two the next them. what was the next like four hours just floating in the middle of the wake, lake watching it all just go down? Were <laughs> you just like glaring at him the whole time, like trying to throw his oh, lunch I, in I the lake that, or something? The one guy I hate to this day, and he never <laughs> did anything wrong to me. But if I saw him, I would I would hate him to this day. <laughs> Funny, man. <laughs> oh man they need to do like a retro circuit where that's part of it i know it's so unfeasible with you know sponsorship and you know things like that but that dynamic just i don't know man it just intrigues me i think there's something really funny about that imagine the tv that would make oh right dude i, I took my when i was 18 i took my bass boat to the u.s open and for four days i never got to use it i always drew someone the first day i drew a guy that was supposedly good and he sucked and i never got to use my boat so, well and I mean, as a kid, I had, no one's respecting you right you have no respect you have, and i was always the fair guy i'm like well he's older he, you know he's you know i never was aggressive on you know i'm better than you type of stuff but yeah i mean it was it was a night literal nightmare i never really <laughs> I, I i i feel a lot of tournaments slip through my hands because i i you know those kind of situations so yeah but yeah that was part so- of the I'm just thankful that I never had to fish the pro on pro tournaments. Sounds like that was pretty brutal. Uh, let's turn it over to our buddy Justin Lucas and hear a couple of his stories. And and, and uh, travel, traveling with Meyer and stuff. We had Meyer on two weeks ago, and uh, you had given me a couple hilarious stories to bring up to him, and then he told them, and they were great, dude. They were so funny. Um, Which ones did he tell? So he told the one, the one about, well, Jr. waking up having the night terrors, dude. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. He was staring at me at 2.30 in the morning. I don't know why. I don't know why, like, I woke up. But I woke up and I'm laying on my side facing their bed. And they used to share a bed. You know, we were trying to save money. And we were at, like, a, some hotel. But you know how the lights come in through the curtains at a hotel? Parking yeah. lot lights and stuff. <laughs> And dude, I literally see his eyes like glaring at me. I'm like, what the hell? staring into the like, window of your soul. Dude, I'm like, I remember going, 
JR. JR. And he's like, <laughs> they're coming. They're coming. And then yeah, a, couple ex- that's a couple explicit words in there. They're coming. And I'm like, Who, who's coming, JR? And this is at 2.30 in the morning. And uh, anyway, I just pull the blankets back over my eyes. I'm freaking out. Like, what's going on, man? And I ask dude. him in the morning. I'm like, dude, did you do you remember telling me that they're coming last night? And he's like, no, I must have had that same dream again, though. I'm like, oh, wow. That's terrible. That's thought- oh, yeah. Homeboy needs some melatonin or something. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good one, though. He's a good guy. Last thing, dude. So I, I saw Billy Egan from One Bass posted uh, some photos from an El, the El Salto fishing trip that we did a couple years ago with Berkeley. And uh-huh. um, it reminded me. So we actually, Justin and I both went, but we there were two phases. I went in the first phase and then he came in the second phase or vice versa. Um, they just had like 10 different riders coming in. They wanted certain anglers with certain riders or, or however, they, like an even number. So anyways... I'm in El Salto for a couple of days and then, uh, Justin comes in. Um, but apparent, uh, I remember hearing about a couple of hilarious pranks they had pulled on Justin. Uh, do you remember, do you remember what happened down there? Oh, are you there, Justin? Well, I'm going to start telling these pranks then. Yeah. And make them sound the worst you can, Josh. Yeah. Just bury he, him since he's he left comes us. back. Yeah. If he comes back, he'll get to defend himself. But, uh, <laughs> dude, so, well, the first thing that happened was, uh, they, we land in Mazatlan and it's Mazatlan's got like a tiny little airport. <laughs> Justin, you there? <laughs> well, I don't know that? if that was a sound dude, effect. I got you. Oh, can you hear me? I tried to pull over, but that didn't work out. Yeah. Well, dude, Bertrand you guys just, now. I got good service now. Okay. Well, Bertrand just buried you too. Yeah, what thanks for say. I told him about that time to the episode. I told him about what you got caught with flying down to uh, Mazatlan, dude. Dude, all that Colombian bam bam. What? I'm just kidding. What did no, I get caught with? I'm kidding, dude. <laughs> no. Uh, what, what happened though when you try to get off the plane with your iPad, dude? Oh, free! I'll never do that again. I I left my iPad on the plane and we walked on the runway oh. into the terminal and then I walked out of the term, terminal back on the runway trying to get my iPad. Of course, nobody really Aren't understood you like me. Running? Weren't you like running across the runway though, not just walking, like like kind of <laughs> running to get back to the plane? Yeah, probably was, but I remember <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. Well, when I got to the little security desk, dude, the guy was watching me through the window and he looked at me, dude, he looked at me straight in the eyes and he's like, don't ever do that again. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> dude, he's and grabbing he's his taser. Like, oh yeah, dude. And, uh, he was like, don't like the way he said it. I'm like, okay, well, thank you very much for not like arresting me right now. You know, like it sounded like I did something pretty bad down there. By doing dude, the that. second and half of, Probably would be frowned upon in the United States, too, but I just figured out ah, it's Mexico. It's well, Mexico. I don't care. Yeah. Well, because the second half of what he was going to say is don't ever do that again without giving me 500 pesos afterwards. Right? Like, Maybe. that was the second half of it. Yeah. <laughs> and he legit scared me. I was scared. I was scared to go back. I'm still scared to go back there right now because of it. But uh, I was really scared to go back to the airport after that trip, like, thinking, 
you know, that they had me on camera, that they huh. were going to get me or like, I was tripping about it. No lie. I was, you know, how you eyeball every security guard and make sure they're not staring you down or anything. So, oh yeah, dude. Yeah. I guess felt. you did. You got lucky. Actually, they could have. And I remember it in the bus ride driving by the actual prison being like, can you even imagine? Like, yeah, I remember that. It, it looked so rough, obviously, from the outside, but I mean, yeah, I'm sure the inside's much better. Dude, Josh, you could hack it, dude. You get like a teardrop tattoo after a couple weeks in there, you'd be fine in a Mexican prison. <laughs> it made me a lot tougher on those offshore ledge tournaments when you have to kind of <laughs> yeah. be really aggressive. When you're elbowing <laughs> all the panga fishermen. He would get a teardrop drop chop weight tattooed under his eye, but he ain't getting no getting real teardrop there. Oh, man. That's hilarious. I he told wouldn't get a, hey, he wouldn't get a skinny weight or a round weight. He would do the teardrop. <laughs> yeah, that's right, dude. He, you know, that's he's hilarious. Big cred high. Yeah. Uh, okay. With a little three-inch gold minnow hanging off of it. That'd be my eyebrow, dude. Yeah, the my eyebrow would be the minnow. <laughs> Oh crap! That's good. That's okay, so how about uh, when you were there? I don't know. That just Justin likes to play pranks. So and, and the crew over at Berkeley, everyone gets along really well. There were a couple good pranks on on you, dude. Talk about the uh, what they did with the cat. Huh. Uh, that was real funny to everybody else. Freaking! <laughs> I'm everybody takes siestas and. Uh, I guess it was time to wake up from the siesta and they're knocking on my door asking if I need room service. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I'll be out in a minute, dude. And there was all these little wild cats hanging around there and they threw a freaking cat in my room and pulled the door shut. And I'm sitting there with this cat that's like coming towards me on the bed and I jump up on the bed and I'm, it's like the loudest meow, you know, it's like meow. Like it's probably was scared, but I was too. I'm like, dude, I'm not about to be in the. If this thing scratches me, who knows what I'm gonna get? So, freaking main. Were they holding the door shut? I don't know, because I ran to the bathroom and closed that door. And (laughs) I was trying to get out the window. And uh, finally, dude, after like 45 minutes, they came up because I wasn't down at the boat. You were in there for 45 minutes hiding from the cat. Yeah. Bro, I was not about to get out and get in a cat fight in my hotel room <laughs> in Mexico. Mexican and then they cat took that, Then they took that mannequin and uh, put it in my shower. And oh. dude, I pulled that shower curtain back, and I thought for sure I was getting abducted for <laughs> two seconds. Dude, it was your security guard friend. He was coming back. Bro, yeah. I it was like shower. a six-foot-tall mannequin. That, that freaked me out. They had a and mannequin Hunter, in the pro shop. Uh, yeah. In the tackle pro shop. That's where they got it from. Hunter had it all on GoPro. He, had, he strapped a GoPro on its wrist, but, of course, I was freaking naked, about to get in the shower. <laughs> so I, I was the only one that got to see the footage. But was it uh, What was your reaction? Oh, you've never seen a curtain get pulled back so fast in your life, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, dang, dude. Hopefully we get to go back down there, man. That was uh Is that awesome place trip. still fishing just ridiculous like it has been for time immortal? 
All right, let's roll it over to our buddy Matt Shura, where he tells the nightmare story that none of us ever want to have to tell. You may have to turn your volume up just a little bit on this one. Uh, This was early on in our recordings, but too good to leave out of this recap show. All right, man. Well, how about you've got a story about getting hooked? You, you know what? I I uh, maybe a jock strap. Man, I have a lot of stories about getting hooked. That's what that's what uh, I have a little phobia now. I, I watch you know you guys in MLF and just hook shaking everywhere, grabbing the fish. Mm. And I, I used to be that mm. guy. And there there was one day I I caught a fish on a jerk, but it was a smallmouth and at Roosevelt Lake in the back of Sally Maine. Caught it close to the boat, just lifted it in. It was laying there dead still, and it does a Tasmanian devil when I go to grab it. And I got one hand uh, with two hooks pegged uh. in it, and I go to stop the fish, and I hook my other hand. So now both my hands are pinned to this fish with the jerkbait flopping around. Uh. And I'm a paramedic, right? You know, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of blood and all that stuff. But I see this, and I saw the world closing down on me. I got a little... <laughs> Oh, no, really? was, oh yeah i was i was dizzy and luckily my dad was there and ripped the hook out of one and then uh. we, one was buried so deep we <laughs> couldn't get it and just snipped it off i fished the rest of the day and we went to the hospital and pulled it out but dude i wouldn't be able to concentrate yeah. like with a hook in my hand were you able to actually focus on fishing yeah with oh, a yeah. hook in your hand yeah it's it's it you just had to reel like this oh i'm out with the first finger out yeah every time you bumped it it hurt but um the worst one i had was uh is pre-fish for an FLW, and uh, I was working down the bank throwing a throwing a super spook and just trying to see what size quality fish were there and didn't want to stick a whole bunch of fish, so I'm, I'm cruising pretty quick, and I'd caught a two-pounder, and I'm like, okay, you know, one fish is a fluke, two fish is a pattern, just kind of see if this is something that I should check in the tournament, and I caught, a, you know, another decent one, and I'm like, okay, I need to leave, you know, and I'm kind of doing the look around, seeing who's seeing me, and I started skiing them on the top, on the surface, and it took a dive, and I just got my rod tip straight up in the air, and I'm cranking on them, and the fish comes, does a, does a move, and the bait flies out of its mouth, and it's flying towards me, and it's flying right towards my crotch. Yeah. <laughs> so oh boy. I tried to do this ninja move. I, I mean, I look, look very you agile. basketball shorts? <laughs> I did, Yeah. <laughs> Totally. I had basketball shorts on, and I jumped out. Going commando in these basketball shorts. I, I tried to jump out of the way, and it the back hook of that uh, super spook uh, got me right in the, the dinger. And, in uh, the batteries, as they say in kids' movies. Pass the barb. Uh, Pass the barb. Well, that's the thing. Enough. So, so I'm, I'm, I jumped out of the way trying to jump out of the way. So I'm standing on one leg with my arms up. In a, in a sheer panic. And oh. I look down and I see it hanging there. And uh, I slowly... Cook, I'm assuming you see hanging there. Well, and there's so many... Well, in a life or death... In a, in a, oh, man. Yeah, one in a million okay. shot. Go ahead. It, yeah, I, <laughs> he doubled the size. <laughs> so, so, you know, in a life or death moment, there's so many things that flash through your mind. And, and literally, I'm just like... You know, the first thing I thought about is the humiliation of going to the hospital with with a with a super spook sure. hanging off it, and and uh, the, the 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 fear and everything. So, I I I get down on my knees and I I I give it a little pull, just saying a little <laughs> prayer, saying please, and, and you know, and, and and I don't pray a whole lot, but I was praying, and I gave it a pull, gave it a pull, and it, it came out. Oh. And otherwise, looked, you would have been known as Matt Jenner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they had to get a new wrap, a new jersey. It would have been really bad. I'll, and I'll tell you what, I was so thankful it came out, and I, I looked to assess the damage, and it was blood was coming out and everything. And and uh, man, I'll tell you, it was. Uh, Did you that fish was the worst. That one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. yeah. No, it was good. Yeah, started fishing again, but uh, thank goodness that didn't happen. So that's one thing I. I you know, you see those those pictures on Facebook yeah. with people getting hooked in the eyeballs Nightmare. and all that Nightmare. stuff. It's like, man, I, yeah, I wear no joke, I wear glasses right? at yeah. night, sunglasses during the day, and I, I yeah. man, I'm smart. I'm you careful now. That could have gone so much worse for Matt. Thank God it ended like it did. Uh, for the next story, Rob brought this one up in the intro, but uh, this is our good buddy Matt Pangrak, kind of a feel good story from his club fishing days early on. Makes sense for sure. Hey, before we move on, I got to tell one more story about the first club tournament. That Please. I with hey, the the better. So we're on Lake Decatur. I draw Chris Bruner. It's probably like in a 18-foot ranger. And this is like one of those lakes like I'm talking. Like if you get three bites, it's you're spending your money before you weigh in. And uh, we're going down this row of bushes, and I'm 14. He flips in black and blue salt craw, which is what everyone threw back then, either black and blue salt craw or producto black grape red glitter paddle tail worm you guys ever Ooh, heard of those wow. no rob has for it's, sure I, <laughs> he's still throwing them <laughs> Dude, the producto plastics are the deal and he flips in fish takes his salt craw and i flip right behind him jack a two and a half pounder and go dude that's the fish you missed <laughs> throw like it that? in the box and <laughs> and he said yeah good job yeah this is this is a cool story for club wants to this, kill you no he, he was like super <laughs> congratulatory and i don't know any different. I'm like, dude, you missed the fish. I caught it. That's crazy. We go down a little further. He misses another one. I flip in there, catch another one behind him, come in with two. And I'm telling everybody at the weigh-in, dude, Christmas, two fish. And I flipped right in where uh -huh. he was and I ended up catching him. And it wasn't until years later. Um, and I, and I've actually told this to guys for the assumption that I realized like, dude, that guy probably wanted to throw me out of the boat. Oh, yeah. And I was 14 years old and I was so jacked up and he was so congratulatory. I mean, I think Big I got guy. third or fourth place with that, that I still owe him. Cause I mean, I, I was nervous. Like I couldn't back the boat up when I was that age and I brought three tackle boxes and I was hyper as all get out. And if that dude had just like laid the lumber to me, like, what the hell are you doing? Blah, 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 I would have been like, petrified to continue fishing that i'd have done anything wrong so like just the fact the way that he realized it and handled it like yeah, i still like cool. that's probably why i still tournament fish dude he could have just turned around and looked at you solemnly in the eyes and said no sandwich for you and then just <laughs> yeah. turned back around and got back on the trolling motor and be <laughs> yeah. like no all right guys our final interview our final cut will be the entire interview from james elam we did this earlier this fall, and he got our vote as the most informative guest on the fishing side that we've had all year. So figured we'd give you the whole thing. Here's James. So fall is finally here. Good. Dude, hey, so so you guys, I don't know if I've told you guys about the scorpion population uh, that <laughs> James has at his house, but is this going to knock the scorpions down a little bit too, dude? You know, ever, in the past couple of days since it's been cool, man, I haven't seen a single one. They're they're all burled up, and I think I did a really good job the last couple of weeks of of the heat, uh, knocking them back pretty good. I've I've seen, you know, ever since we got back from fishing, um, there was a little bit of a boost in me seeing them, you know, around the house and in the building and stuff. And and of course, when I see one, it's usually you know dying because I I spray poison pretty liberally, I, but uh. 
I, I just stayed on top of that. And, you know, what, one of the cool tricks that Josh Bertrand, the Arizonan, showed me um, and told me about was the black light. And uh, you can actually go outside at night and take a black light, and those scorpions will glow neon green, and you can hunt them. So it's pretty neat. They, they pattern just like bass. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot. Like that. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they they school up, and they have their tendencies, and there's things that they want and things they look for, and you can almost dial in exactly where they're going to be and 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 how they're acting and stuff like that. So it's pretty it's pretty That's neat. Hilarious. So then, what's your yeah. method of dispatching them, dude? Do you get like that hardcore spray and just like let it eat when you find one? <clears throat> well, I, I like to just go ahead and uh, I don't I don't waste the spray. Uh, okay. Usually it's. Uh, so the fear factor is gone. You don't like shriek and just use half a can on them when you find them. Well, dude, I, I swear I, my my blood runs cold when I see one. I, I hate them, and uh, I get the chills sometimes, you know. But I'm not scared to step on one, uh, okay. you know, with good shoes on. And you you've got to be a little bit careful around here. We we've seen two copperheads at night while we're scorpion hunting, so uh, you got to wear boots. So that's kind of a smart thing to do. So this is all building into my question for you then. Help me see the attraction of a residence in Oklahoma. You got tornadoes, you got humidity, (laughs) and now you have scorpions? Dude, Yeah. like what, where's the redemption there? Are the people just like super awesome? I did go to Tulsa for a a classic a long time ago with Josh and Tulsa was pretty legit, but I saw no tornadoes, Mm -hmm. I saw no scorpions and it was really cold. So I feel like I kind of missed out on that trifecta. So what is it, man? Yeah, but, well, I guess you grew up here and you just don't know any better. Yeah, so you there you don't go. Hate. But no, it's it, it's good. The people here are great. Uh, we we've got a nice little piece of property and we enjoy it a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, our our weather probably the worst thing. If I had to name two two of the worst things here would be the weather because we get so cold. Yeah, and, and so nasty and miserable, but at the same time, it gets so hot and nasty and miserable. It, it's just polar. So it breeds tough things. people, huh? Yeah, well, I guess. Uh, I guess you could say that, but it, it it's yeah, it's not like Arizona to where we you guys have. We do get nice. Uh, I I love our winters, but we do also get nasty cold spells. But uh. I, we, we've got the in-between when it's really nice, like right now for, the you know, next month or so, it, it'll be pretty nice. Uh, but, yeah, the, the score, I, I had no idea that the scorpions could be that bad in Oklahoma. Of course, when we moved in here, there were a lot of things in the yard. Um, it, it was almost like there was, a, you know, it was almost hoarded, you know, there was a bunch of junk in the yard and stuff like that. And I think that it was a perfect habitat for them. So we're dealing with the residual effects of that taking all that stuff away now they've got to move and and find somewhere new but it hasn't been that bad i think i got it under control and it's going to get better as as the the years go on but the tornadoes i've seen a couple of them like uh not real defined but i mean i i've been around a lot of them uh they definitely happen i think josh stayed with us once at our old house when we had one pretty close we we could oh yeah but it was it was it was uh we saw the system it was in and all kinds of stuff so it happens the sirens were going off dude and it was one of the eeriest things ever like i've got videos of it and uh you get a little rush you know because you can see how the storm chasers could really really do it but um you know i don't know dude it was 
I, it's probably me just being ignorant and not knowing, not ever seeing firsthand the damage they can cause. Yeah, they 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 can in a hurry. It's a uh, it's a pretty destructive thing. It's uh, nothing you can do about it. Don't don't those weather changes like you just experienced? Isn't that what causes the tornadoes? Yeah. So normally, what happens is you know you'll get that that really hot, humid Gulf air that just it sucks up the Midwest and it, it blows. It'll do it for one or two or three days, and it's like it's it's getting sucked up north by the cold air, whatever is happening. And then just that cold line will come from the uh, northwest. It seems like, you know, from Colorado, and it'll it'll come across our state and sweep across our state, and it mixes with the with, you know, our warm, uh, dry air or our our warm humid air, and that's that's where you get it, and it collides, and the heat rises, and it makes it spin, and it causes that uh, that you know tornadic uh, rotation, Ooh. and and actually starts rotating kind of like parallel to the ground and then it turns out hmm. James, if uh if you ever get tired of catching bass and cashing checks dude i think you could get a job at the local channel 7 weather forecast and you're like reporting live we've got <laughs> james Elo here and he's like well we got is this hot gulf air doing some tornadic spinning like going to ground yeah. dude i think you got it yeah well he's, he's seen know, a lot of them dude he's the guy i go to when we're at a tournament <laughs> And like it's like late spring, and we're in Missouri or Oklahoma or Arkansas or Alabama. It's getting ugly. And I'm like nervous. I call him, <laughs> and he's like, "No, dude, it's cool. You don't have to worry about it." Or you know, if he's like, "Yeah, it's not looking good." Like one time, dude, we were getting, we're getting ready to go uh, start pre-fishing. We're at Table Rock, and there's heavy, heavy chances for t- tornadic activity that day. I'll never forget him, dude, telling me. Uh, he's like, dude. If you get in a bind and it happens and there's one coming, he goes, get out of your boat and go hide back in a hollow somewhere. Uh, just get Ooh. out of your boat. And I'm like, dude, this is, that doesn't make me feel good at all. Jeez. That's crazy. Yeah, that's scary. Save your life. <laughs> and it happens so quickly. At least he didn't say, if that happens, just bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. At least he had more <laughs> for you than that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's good you, advice. Well... <laughs> find a cave basically all right yeah no kidding right on well hey uh we'll get into the fishing here in one second uh last last thing on the scorpions you guys probably get a kick out of this uh at at james house he's got a side by side and you know like most side by sides you would put like an led light in front so you can drive through the woods at night and stuff he's got a light bar on the front of his side by side black light nice black light bar dude it's hilarious the ultimate scorpion hunting machine <laughs> yeah so it, it, it is nice to use that but you got to get off the, the side by side to kill them unless you got some spray so it's nice to have spray when you do that but yeah Makes sense. yeah have you been stung by one yet james no gosh i hope i never do man knock on wood yeah. dude no i haven't we've been really careful yeah, that's, that's good. funny i mean have have you guys been nick or josh have you been stung by a scorpion Mm-mm. my day is coming man my son when he was two got stung and then my old man got stung i think it was last year or 18 months ago or something and my two-year-old dude he took it like a champ he literally cried for like two minutes at the most and went on with his life but it messed my dad up dude he was like 
I, he was almost hallucinating. I remember he was laying on my couch and he was like holding his forehead <laughs> and he was like super miserable. And it was so funny because he started saying the craziest things. He's like, if I don't survive this, like he said, if I don't destroy survive this, destroy my cell phone. My wife and I are looking at each other like, seriously? All right, dude, we'll, we'll destroy your cell phone and we'll take you to the emergency room. I think you're going to be all right. And he did. We didn't have to destroy a cell phone. So evidence Jeez. still is out there. I don't That's hilarious. So tell your wife, James, if you get stung to destroy your cell phone, make sure there's no evidence left. I don't make think that great. she would uh, take that the right way. <laughs> oh, okay. Probably not. Incriminating evidence on there is probably what she'd think. We didn't, we didn't take it the right way either. I don't think anyone knows what to do with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, All let's right. talk fishing, man. You're, the, you're the, the fall stud, and I think that's where Josh was transitioning us anyways. So let's, let's hop in. Yeah, so so uh, dude, Rob did a little bit of digging. I want Rob you to you to start this and and tell the listeners what kind of damage James has done in the fall, just to yes, just to give so, everyone an idea. So I I started looking at your Bassmaster stats and I I initially I thought you were really heavy in cashing checks just in basically from in the fall, and then I started digging a little deeper in it you're a lot more well-rounded than that and it's really even throughout the year but an interesting stat in uh, september and october you have uh, eight out of 42 cash finishes uh or cash checks in in eight out of 42 tournaments um in those two months and they consist of an 11th a 10th a 9th a fifth a second and three first nice. so like oh wow exactly that's it's pretty impressive in those two months. So I mean, obviously, I, I don't know if you've looked at that, but I mean, you're an absolute hammer in that it, that time, and it's a really, I mean, that's an interesting time to be that way. Um, yeah, that's September really weird. October, I appreciate that. I, you're making me feel a lot better than I am, but <laughs> that's not true at all, dude. Those those are unbelievable. That's uh, that's an incredible amount of top tens and three wins in that time, dude. Like. Uh, I, have you ever have you ever thought about that before, dude? Do you go into those tournaments licking your chops, or uh, is that like just kind of surprising to you to hear that? Well, it, it's not because I kind of know it. I'm a little bit aware of it. Uh, that that's that's crazy though when you actually put pen to paper and and uh, see what it is. But uh, I think it's just uh, I, maybe it's a mentality. Maybe it's you know yeah mental thing. Maybe it's I get warmed up late. I the end of the season i'm ready to you know i'm all clicking on all cylinders maybe it's a issue of that's when i've spent the most time on my water on the water growing up i, I don't can't really it might be a combination of all those things uh, i do know that you know just as a kid like when i had a boat i got a boat when i was like 17 and i spent a ton of time on the water you know in july and august during the summer fishing offshore and uh, you know, on our summer breaks, and then we'd always have these big classic tournaments in September in Oklahoma, and it was always really, really tough, but I'd spend a lot of time practicing, and it was always really important to try to figure it out that time of year, and I think I spent so much time doing that, you know, for 10 straight years that it made me better, you know, at, at fishing when it's really tough like that, you know, just fishing that late summer uh, transition or just any kind of offshore stuff is just really just better for me, it seems like. So my extremely unqualified summary or like thought process through that dude is that 
so so fall tends to signify like change right like it's unpredictable mm-hmm. you, you don't know if it's going to be 95 and then you don't know if a front's going to come in and knock you down to 65. so does it speak to just the ability to be flexible like to to be able to adapt or think outside of the box is that kind of some of the the logic that goes into those successful finishes yeah you know i can think of a few tournaments that we've had in september <clears throat> one in particular um was a, an open tournament that i ended up getting in the top uh, in the top five or top ten but i think that you know the weather did it, it, it there was a big front that came through it's very similar to what happened this week here uh i think the last day of practice and it really changed things and and i tried my best to adapt to it mm-hmm. uh, and i feel like i did a little bit but sometimes that'll get me but yeah i i always look for what's coming next for for sure um usually you have to make a bait change because mm-hmm. the mood changes and you have to uh you know, when the weather's all stable and everything, you can catch them fishing slow right where they're living. They bite really well. But when things take a turn, you have to go more reaction, it seems like, and, and trick them into biting and make them bite. And uh, I just try to stay aware of all that. And, yeah, I'll be flexible. And, uh, yeah, just try to roll with the punches there. That's so interesting, dude, because, like, so many folks, like, would just probably assume like, okay, we've had this front fishing has got tougher. Now I need to slow down, but um, we're kind of going in a, in a backwards pattern here, going into the fall rather than like going into right. the summer. You know what I mean? So that's interesting that you yeah. make that comment because it, it does make a lot of sense, man. Like, like these fish are, have been steadily doing the same thing all summer, no matter where you live, they're in a summer pattern, living on the same places. Like you said, the weather's been stable. You're catching them on a big worm or a drop shot or a football jig doing the same thing. And it's predictable. But like when when uh, when when the weather finally breaks and you get those first couple fronts, it's interesting. You pull out a reaction bait at that point. Right, because it's the opposite in the spring. It's like you would uh, have to do the exact opposite. But it's uh, yeah, just like you said, you made that good point there. It's uh, it's like the fish bust up and normally clouds the company that uh, weather system and that's never good usually for catching them you know around brush or or offshore mm. stuff and it's like they spread out a little bit and you need to cover more water and trick them into biting you know whether that be like a buzz bait or a little crank bait or something you know okay and uh, so yeah kind of the opposite it's interesting man yeah buzz bait's such a good fall bait dude be- and i was going to ask you a couple of your favorite like uh your favorite patterns for fishing like late summer into the early fall that transition is uh, is a buzz bait one of your top baits on north wind fronts yeah um so yesterday got it dialed dude (laughs) yeah northeast northwest just north well what will happen is we'll have a front and it will be north wind for three days makes sense and then it starts to get northeast and then it and then there's east for a day and it's barely east usually and that's the day that's pretty calm and nice and that's probably the first day of sun and i don't catch them you know on a buzz bait so well when it's when it's you know bright sunny and not much wind you know in that scenario so um, that's kind of a, a dying deal by then and then it's time to kind of readjust and start to throw a shaky head and 
a jig around again and stuff like that and maybe the crankbait still plays a small one or something to get them to react but uh that, that's one of my favorite things you know on the this north cloudy wind days and when we start getting to october the spinnerbait becomes a really really you know the spinnerbait and the, and the buzzbait you know on any of our weather fronts you know throughout the fall are, are really hard to beat and uh, <clears throat> the square bill has its time you know both in the sun and in the uh, in the clouds in the fronts but you know if i were to have to fish slow uh shaky head is number one and that doesn't mean just one shaky head i'll have like if they're if that's what they've got their eye on i'll have three different maybe versions um uh, usually throwing it up mid-depth and shallower um it just seems like they get their eye on the shad that time of year and a long slender bait does a really good job compared to a bulky bait so um that's one of my favorite things to do as well that's interesting dude you know i remember you kind of breaking down some of these tournaments after you fished them and like dude a lot of what you're saying is exactly what you said you did in the tournaments you know uh do you still get plenty of big bites on that shaky head not a ton of big bites but the limit fillers definitely you have to have those you know two and three pounders uh it seems like the bigger ones will come a different way for sure maybe a carolina rig or or maybe a jig or a big worm or a topwater. So Interesting. definitely seems to be a little bit different. I, Any baits? I, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, it's just interesting. Uh, we fished that open at Grand Lake uh, probably several years ago. Very, very, very tough. I ended up uh, winning and got lucky. And, you know, it was just it was that was a that was a good example. We had a bad front blow in the last day of the tournament. And nobody caught him real well at all. I think one guy had 10 pounds, and I had like eight pounds, which was, it was just a, a, a blessing. I caught a lemon. It was so bad, and they just did not bite that day. I ended up catching him on the Carolina rig, but uh, my co-angler in that tournament caught the biggest one I'd seen all week, and he he threw out the back oh. of the boat with the Carolina rig, and and that's how he caught one of the bigger fish of the tournament. So. Uh, it was really interesting. It was just a different deal. And, and that fish had busted up and it was just kind of out there roaming. And hmm. uh, so, yeah, you never know, but um, they're, they're James, all tough tournaments. That's the thing. Yeah. James, what kind of depths are you talking that time of year? I know you guys probably fish quite a bit shallower than we do out West here, but on Grand Lake, when you were Carolina rigging, how deep were you fishing? Yeah, I think most of those fish were probably in 12 to to eight you know i caught some in five um i think the key is anything less than 15 at the time i think i may have caught a couple in 15 they, they were all varying depths it kind of depended on the spot yeah. and, and but they weren't in 25 which right. sometimes in september they will get in 25 they'll get out a little bit deeper than they they were in the middle of the summer what do you consider uh extremely deep in grand lake 25 30 yeah 25 uh yeah yeah which you said there i'm not opposed to fishing from that right okay cool what's crazy on those lakes out there like you get out into that 25 feet and like the amount of junk trash fish in the water is Mm -hmm. mind-boggling dude like like Mm -hmm. uh our western lakes no big deal to idle out 25 30 40 feet and you'll catch bass in those depths and when you see fish, they're generally bass, but like Grand Lake, Fort Gibson, 
uh, a lot of those lakes, man, you idle off that shelf and you idle off a deep point and you get below 25 feet and it's just solid fish, dude. Just solid fish. What the heck are those, James? We've got a lot of catfish in Oklahoma and a lot of huge population of shad and gizzard shad and thread fins. And you'll see a lot of those down there. You'll see those thread uh, gizzards real deep or not real deep, but, you know, out there off the edge, like just like you're talking about. But we have a ton of catfish and white bass that will be out there. Mm. Both of those. I mean, we just we've got an endless supply of white bass and catfish. And uh, (laughs) our shad population in, in Oklahoma is just extreme. So they they just that you can't wipe them out because they've got too much to eat and uh we've also got you know some gar out there and and and, and stuff like that and and we've got a lot of drum and and whatnot the drum kind of stay up shallower but uh, <clears throat> we've just got a ton of uh of catfish and, and, and white bass and some of the lakes they'll, they'll stock stripers and hybrids also but we've just got a bunch of them do you think that the largemouth position then in that first like third of the water column because of all the competition out deeper or is that just completely unrelated do you think that's a really interesting thing i i I think the bass want to be where they're at because of the the oxygen because Mm -hmm. every lake you know in the middle of the summer here in oklahoma like if i could pick every single one of them i could tell you what the thermocline is going to be you know every single summer the depth's always the same that they want to get in in june and july it, they, they, you know, they've got the magic depth that that they want to be in. And just knowing that fact right there just makes me think that it's a it's an oxygen thing. Like that's a comfort thing. Like that, that's just what it is. It's not. I, I'm guessing, you know. But um, right. And then catfish having so much less IQ, they can live down there where there's no oxygen, right? <laughs> right. IQ thing so. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Uh, that might be the why you see them out deep is because they can handle it. Yeah, right. yeah. absolutely. That they makes can sit sense. In a boat in your live on a dry live well, you know, probably for five minutes. You get thrown back in, they'll still live. They'll swim away, dude. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they haven't done any evolution in the last like six million years. They're very unrefined. Yeah, whiskers still. Yeah, <laughs> right. Case in point. Right on. Hey, so this is kind of random, dude, but. Um... If we've got any like newer listeners that uh, are just kind of uh, just really getting serious into the sport and stuff, dude, um, it's hard to know what time of year to not throw certain baits, right? And like I wanted to ask yeah. you, dude, are there any techniques in the early fall that you just completely stay away from and you would tell people not even to waste their time with? Around where I'm from, uh, I would say I, I don't, you know, in the early fall. I don't throw a lot of big baits. I don't mess around with, you know, slinging a big rubber swim bait around. I don't, you know, do stuff like that. I, I kind of tend to throw smaller stuff in September. It's just what they have their eye on, a smaller bait. Uh, now, doesn't mean, you know, I won't catch them on a big jig or a big worm, you know, at some, you know, some point or another. It's just, there's, it's so... It's such a mix of <clears throat> different things it could be, but um, I, I would definitely say I'm trying to think. I'm going through my tackle boxes in my head right now and trying to. I've got a ton of stuff tied on in my boat. I don't throw. There's a lot of things you know I don't mess with a lot in Oklahoma, really, uh, in general. But um, 
I'd say that would be one overall thing is I wouldn't throw a bunch of big swim bait stuff right now. Right on. That's cool, man. Um, how about a soft stickworm? I hate throwing them in general. So I, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Throw I, them I'll time. throw them around the spawn, yeah. but yeah, that's that's one thing too. I'd, I'd add too. And they're tremendous around the spawn. I mean, you got to have mm-hmm. one. But like oh, yeah. this time of year, I, I don't know. You could throw one on a on a just a jig head and make it a shaky head, but there's really no need to do that. So. Hundred percent. That's cool. Um, you guys have any other questions on like fall fishing for James? How about a how about a starting point for beginners in mm-hmm. the fall? They're just gonna they're gonna go fishing uh, Saturday morning, and where where would you start in you know late late summer early fall for someone that hasn't fished a whole lot? Late summer early fall, we're probably still you know depending on where you're at in the country, I would still kind of look close to where the fish may have been in the summer and you know points are a really good place to do that and just fish all around the points even on the sides when those fish start getting off the off the good points they start to move up on the sides and and just kind of follow them in and and fish you know uh windblown stuff if if you're going to fish shallow fish you know good rocky looking stuff and uh you probably don't have to fish all the way back in the creeks right now i would focus more um from midway back to the towards the mouth and that's a good starting point fish those zones and, and maybe some main lake stuff there'll be plenty of main lake fish right now still but i those are the zones kind of that i would look for i'd look for close to where they were in the summer and, and just maybe focus on points and, and just breaks whether that be a, a channel swing or a transition or a little ledge or something like that that's kind of where i would focus nice Awesome. Sorry, I had to walk away. Yeah. I've got a ton of background noise going on right now. Uh, I don't know what's James, happening you offended outside. Josh. He dipped. He's out. I saw him take the headphones <laughs> off. He threw the notepad down. He's like, I'm done. He's it's gone. Over. He's gone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you just had enough of hearing you talk about how good it is. He's like, I'm, I heard the garage door go up and everything. Well, that's the thing is it's 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 not very good this time of year sometimes. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, if you if you're having a tournament and stuff, it makes it fun. It's all relative, and and uh, you'd like to do well. So. I've heard Josh say that very thing, man. When he goes into tournaments, he likes them when there's a little bit of uncertainty or there's a little bit of challenge that universally affects everyone, right? Like that's kind of the great equalizer. Yeah, and that make, makes it to where if, when you show up to the tournament, you can outwork people and because not everybody knows what's going on already. And in, in really it's all based upon practice and you find them in practice and figuring them out then. So that always does equalize things mm-hmm. for sure. James, do you do you recall uh, one of your top finishes in the fall? Do you do you recall any of those being just a slam where you're crushing them? No, no. Maybe maybe Chatug, uh yeah. when we had that tournament there, but was you know even then bass? it was really stressful. Yeah, that was a spotted bass deal. <clears throat> yeah. That was uh that was just kind of different. Um, that was a really nerve-wracking tournament just all the way around. So, But if I had to look back, that's probably when I was catching them the best. I just There were two or three, four different schools of fish that that were, uh, you know, that, that were there, and, and you could sit there and, and, and get them to buy it and stuff like that, and it just it was easier. You didn't have to work at quite as hard. Why was it nerve-wracking? Well, it was our AOI tournament. I think Josh, yeah, so Josh was uh, – leading or in second place in the points 
in that tournament too. So he could tell you the same as nerve wracking. And he oh, was man, about to I wasn't a, adding. Yeah. I, I wasn't helping yeah, the uh, to have overall a, mood in the like house. That week. Yeah. You were having a baby terrible. too, Josh. <laughs> yeah. He, mm-hmm. he was about to have a baby. Born, huh? He was a baby yep. and was having a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And it, it just there was a lot of it was a small lake and there was a lot of other anglers around and then there was locals gotcha. it was just gosh man it's just so much going on so, in those but, situations you know, when like the locals are underwater do you uh you ever like rip your shirt off and like flail your arms at them and explain to them why it's your hole for a couple of days yeah just <laughs> stud out stud out name of this episode studding out with james elam uh, I'd have to do some push-ups and get all pumped up first. That's right. <laughs> you know, normally, normally when I'm fishing a tournament and we practice for three days or two days, and I've, you know, fished a couple of days of, of competition, I'm I'm so skinny and beat down and ragged that I would look like a little, uh, just a scrawny. <laughs> no, there'd be no threat there. Dude, you know, no, maybe like a like a spider monkey all hopped up on Mountain Dew. They see that and they're scared. Yeah. I should shave my head, but get some neck pads and, and yeah. There you and go. Dude, yeah. yeah, get a sharpie and get some like self-induced like prison tats on your face, and they'll they'll know. But speaking of being famished by that point in the tournament, uh, James Josh told me that you're the guy, and maybe we talked about this when he hopped on back in Florida. But you're the guy that goes to the grocery store, right, and buys a bunch of yeah. produce and smashes it into a blender and then drinks it for like seven days, right? Good memory. Yeah, yeah. I I used to do that a lot. I found a drink I finally like to drink. That, is it uh, suja you can buy at the store yeah yeah suja yeah suja's uh, legit man but what i used to do before that man it was an off season and, and i wanted to find a way to get all these superfoods into one drink so i felt like i'm drinking vitamins and it's Nectar of the gods, I, just, I just yeah i just wanted something to help me uh not necessarily perform but my body to hold up and and, and it helps everything man it helps your mind it helps um, physically over, you know, seven days, if you, if you take care of what you're, you know, if you get enough vitamins and nutrients in your body, it just, it can take a toll on you if you don't. So, uh, my, my idea was, uh, to take, you know, seven or eight of the best superfoods and put them in a blender and drink that every morning. And what I would do is I would buy kale, spinach, avocado, blueberries, uh, chia seeds, almonds, and, and put all that junk in the blender <laughs> and only strawberries and bananas, but only for taste. And <clears throat> that's where you'd get your good taste is strawberry bananas. Um, and I think that's about all I used to put in there. It's like basically a combination of fruits, vegetables, and seeds or nuts or whatever you want to say. Dude, did that just come out like thick as concrete, like wet cement? Is yeah. that just like, you had to like eat it with a spoon? Chew it. Yeah. Chew it. Yeah. You had to, yeah, you had to put water in it, and even when you put water in it, you almost have to chew it. Once it gets cold and it's been sitting in the fridge, it's almost like you got to spoon it out of the cup. Dude, I bet that ages really well. So by, like, day seven, is the flavor just, like, <laughs> fermented to the point of, like, sangria? You have, like, a bootleg sangria at that point? Yeah, you got to drink it in three or four days for sure. Yeah, it's like a bootleg sangria. Yeah. Dude, it's, that's uh, But it's good for you, man. and you You feel the energy levels all day after you drink that. I'm a believer, man. I've been juicing for a long time, so I'm in the camp with you yeah. on that. And Suja gets you through in a pinch for sure. So, yeah, yeah, it's a lot better if you do it on your own. But right, 
who has time for that nonsense. Right. By the end of the week, he'd be like, hey, Bertrand, you want some of this? And I'd never no. took him up on it. Not one time, dude. Well, he and he'd offer in the beginning of the week, too. It wasn't just like he's only offering when it would get nasty. But it, Josh is over there sucking down syrup energy packs. And, and James is eating, <laughs> yeah. like, superfoods. He's like, nah, man, I got my superfood right here. Maple syrup. Has, that's right. Has Bertrand ever told you about his dreams of, like, weighing in tacos? Oh, no. no. <laughs> James loves this story, dude. Thank you, so, James. I think we're going to replace Josh as the host there. Maybe he'll just become number four. Weighing in tacos, huh? I uh, had a dream. I, dude, I always have dreams that, like, I catch fish and I don't get them to weigh in somehow or another. Like, I've always, every nightmares. fast fishing dream is a nightmare, and I always catch them, and I run out of gas i go to the wrong spot for weigh-in i forget what time weigh-in is whatever it is i never get them to weigh in dude so i finally in one dream i get my bass to weigh in dude i got a bat a big bag of i don't remember how big but a big bag dude and uh, i'm in the weigh-in line i get up on the stage and i go to dump the fish out on the scale <laughs> And uh, the tournament director's like, what the hell? What are these? I'm like, they're my fish. And he's like, no, these are burritos, dude. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, damn it. I forgot. I filleted them and made fish burritos out of these fish. I should. I forgot to wait until after weigh-in to do it. <laughs> oh, that's money, dude. Wow. And that's where you get that nightmare feeling and wake up and, and yeah. It's anxiety. It's like it's like the same dream of, you know, you have it 10 years after college that you're missing a class or there was a class that sure. you forgot to drop and it's going to show up on your uh, on your grades as a D or, you know, did not show up or whatever, fail, whatever. And I actually had that dream the other night, but it's just a it's an anxiety fear dream that you have as a professional angler. And one way or the other, whether it's Wayne and tacos or or, your, you know, your whatever it is you're, you're just some kind of force of nature just keeps you from getting to the way in or back to where you're going it, it's a real thing it's crazy i've had them and but the, the funniest one's definitely weighing in burritos dude i love it and the best part is, is that since i've known you josh which is going on like seven decades now have you ever kept a native fish like i don't even think you do you even eat fish so i can i i hope you guys can hear each other because i can barely hear anyone my internet is like can you guys hear me clearly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I don't have to hear all your BS then. You can just listen to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so sorry, guys, if I missed one of your questions. But uh, I think I think you asked uh, – Or wh- I'm sorry, uh, Nick. What, Go what ahead, did you, Nick. What did you ask? Yeah, can you hear me now, brother? I can hear you in and out. Let's 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 move on, dude. We'll yeah, go we'll fine. go back to my thing later on. But uh, w- one last thing before we let you go, James. Um, dude, we ask a lot of our guests their worst hotel or worst house they've ever stayed in on the road at a tournament. People love to hear it. Uh, I may have been present uh, at the worst one you've had, but dude, does one stick out to you as far as like just a really really rough hotel or just a, a something crazy that happened uh, while you were traveling around the country? I'm going through the database in my mind of all the little nasty hotels I've stayed at. I've stayed at a lot of them. I've never had the, uh, thankfully I've never had bed bugs or anything like that because that's something that a lot of guys have ran across, but you know, kind of a funny place that 
I've stayed before, and I think you may have stayed with me, but we had this little place. We, we call it the Cat Motel. It's just <laughs> this uh, place we go every now and then. But uh, a, a guy uh, told me, yeah, there's this motel down there, and it, it, it's called the Cat Motel. You know, a lot of fishermen stay there. And there's not a lot of places to stay at this place, but there's this one place that's called the Cat Motel. It's not actually called the Cat Motel, but there's so many cats there that that's what everybody calls it. And you go po- park your boat in the back of behind the hotel, and it's got a big boat yard, and there's a, just a bunch of stuff back there. Just a bunch of it's all clean and all that stuff, but just a ton of I don't know pallets and, and just, just all kinds of stuff. But there's cats everywhere. There's there's probably a hundred cats, and uh, it's just a really weird thing. And there's just so many cats. I don't know. Just pretty awkward. Do so, they pee in your boat? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, Rob. Well, I, was, I kept my cover on for sure. Yeah, that's good. Okay, that's good. Dude, that's always a great sign. Like a lot of cats, it's like either got like a crazy cat lady, or you know, like some kind of like ritual going on. There's probably like some kind of satanic movement back there that they're like breeding them for their for their things. Yes. So that's always in the back of your mind when you're staying at a place like that. <laughs> yeah. Josh, can you hear anything? I can I can hear when you guys are talking, but I have no idea what you guys are saying. So uh, well, that's good. This is our chance, Rob. Let's just unload on Josh. We got James yeah. here to pitch in. I mean, James is James is definitely <laughs> good with a shovel. Let's just start shoveling on Josh and see. See, he doesn't know. He's giving us that unsure nod. So let's just go for it. <laughs> James, I've got a yeah. James, I've got a quick question for uh-huh. you. Do you do you hunt in the fall at all? I do at least once or twice. Uh, you know, I'm going to start deer hunting before too long. Probably not this year. Uh, we've got some deer on our property now. I'm kind of watching them. They're they're turning into pets. So I yeah. I don't know, but um, but yeah, a little bit pheasant hunting usually. Pheasant hunting, pheasant hunting. nice. Do you have a bird dog? Okay. I don't. I've got a buddy that just got one, and we'll probably go with them this year. I've That's got two Australian shepherds. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, you don't have to deal with it. He's got to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, James, you uh, you've been super enlightening on how to catch fish in the fall, but also just super entertaining, man. I see why Josh likes to travel with you. You're a uh, you're a pretty cool cat. I look forward to finally meeting you in person someday. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, same here, man. Yeah. We'll have to all get together. I hope Sweet. we all come out there out west one day and maybe fish a western uh, one of those uh, U.S. Opens or something. Dude, right that'd, be, that'd be awesome. Well, hey, man, before you do hop off, what's uh, what's the best way for people to find you? Are you hopping on the gram? Are you uh, you still Facebooking? What's, what's the best way to catch up with you? I'm most active on the gram and okay. it's just James Elam fishing. Uh, yeah. James Elam fishing on uh, Instagram and also on Facebook. Uh, but usually, you know, I'm posting stuff to Instagram and whatnot and the stories there and, and stuff. So you can follow me and keep up with, you know, tournaments and stuff like that on there. And of course, looking into next year, going to fish the Bass Pro Tour, um, going to fish heavy hitters and which was a really fun tournament last year. And, uh, looking forward to that one and uh also we've got red crest here in oklahoma on uh in february on grand lake which it'll be pretty tough it's tough in february here in oklahoma so there's not really a ton of um you know upper hand you know being that time of year you know i I did grow up fishing there but uh looking forward to that and just looking forward to seeing our our season unfold next year getting all this COVID stuff behind us and uh, just, just, yeah. 
and just ready for next year, man. And so those that, that's all I'm doing next year, I think, is just fishing, Major League Fishing, Bass Pro Tour, and those those two championships. Nice, dude. Well, you're going to have a sick season. We know you're going to thump them, and uh, we can't wait to watch it, man. I yep. hope so. Good, I hope so. Good luck, James. Good luck hunting this All right, well, too. thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All right, buddy. Later. All right, we'll see you. All right, bye. All right, everyone. That's it for the interviews. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you have a great New Year's Day, and we will be coming back at you next week with a bunch of new great guests and hopefully great stuff coming to the podcast. Also got an awesome giveaway coming up shortly. So uh, stick around, stay tuned, share this with your friends, share this with your buddies, and most of all, just have a great New Year with your family and friends, and we will talk to you next week.